little Jack Horner eating a pie with his thumb, and it flashes mm-hmm. back to being overshadowed, performing this particular nursery rhyme by none other than the Pinocchio uh, <laughs> of the previous Shrek movie's fame, who was very much having a moment. Easiest paycheck that voice actor ever made. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Pinocchio, we need you back for five seconds. <laughs> You're going to be upstaging our lead villain. Yes. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Geppetto in the corner just counting his money. Um. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Movie Struck, a podcast about movies and the people who watch them. I'm your host, Sophia Richardi, and I am joined today by our dear friend and frequent flyer on this podcast, Red. Red, welcome to the show. Hello, everybody. It's me. I'm back. <laughs> We're both very high energy right now. You can tell. <laughs> it's been a long, what, a, like month at this point? <laughs> yeah. Long yeah. month. <laughs> uh, oh, but, Red, I'm so happy to have you back on the podcast again. Uh, and I have to ask you the question that I've asked you many times before, but with a slight twist. Um, why did we watch Push It? Push. Puss <laughs> in Boots, The Last Wish. Well, you know, uh, I... Uh, I really like this movie, and I got a little bit sick of telling everybody, no, I swear, it's really good. I know it's a Shrek spinoff sequel, but it's really good. Everyone's like, yeah, yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. I'm sure the animation's pretty, and it's like, no, you don't understand. It's about the existential dread of running from death, a parallel to humanity's oldest story, the Epic of Gilgamesh, and nobody would fucking listen to me. And then you were like, hey, can you come on an emergency movie struck? And I was like, why, yes, if you'll accept my terms. Uh, So... (laughs) And uh, I'm counting this as fitting my space theme because the central MacGuffin of this movie is a fallen star. So is is this really so different from Jupiter Ascending, Dune, Alien? I think not. <laughs> I have to, through a weird happenstance of the way that my freelance career works, I just finished editing a video on Stardust for Dominic Noble, ah, which also yes. involves a critical central plot point uh, revolving around a fallen star and editing that and watching this movie simultaneously was a trip but uh mm, no yeah. this was this was a Getting fun the um, there was only one moment watching it where i like audibly groaned out loud because of a vague <laughs> shrek reference and it was not till the very end so we'll get to it when we get to it but uh, oh goody <laughs> yeah why don't we open as the movie does on a night sky <laughs> Uh, a light in the distance begins to glow as Antonio Banderas. <laughs> yes. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful Antonio Banderas recites yeah. um, Starlight, Star Bright, the poem. And uh, the title instructs us that this is a story about a fairy tale. Um, Antonio, a.k.a. Puss in Boots, continues that <laughs> Antonio, us... famously on first name basis with us. <laughs> <laughs> My dear friend Antonio. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, continues uh, to explain the central kind of impetus for the plot here a star fell from the sky creating a dark forest and uh, from that forest arose this legend uh, about a single wishing star locked in the location where it fell so basically find star get wish in spooky forest that's all the info we needed and that's about how long it took the movie to communicate that and i have never been so thankful <laughs> yeah they, they sped right into what they knew was the real winner of this movie mm-hmm. <laughs> the musical number <laughs> title crowds cheering chanting puss in boots the titular cat welcomes the many peasants of this town to his fiesta <laughs> <laughs> the people of del mar love this little guy um probably so because he's showering them with gold and is very charming i i love that for him yeah um, yeah he's living they... his best life and we're all here for it <laughs> yeah 
he they like a crowd at the end of a concert insist on an encore insist that he sings and he begins a song about how he is their favorite fearless hero which is sort of his little theme song for this film not um, only is that his theme song it sneakily sets up the entire plot which yes. is why <laughs> i love it uh the the premise of fearless hero is very simple it is puss in boots enumerating his many good qualities mm-hmm. namely that he gambles with his life he has never been touched by a blade and puss in boots is never afraid and i'm sure <laughs> these are all going to remain constant facts yes. of his existence for more than the next five minutes um mm-hmm. it's also just a fun musical number like, it's so I good get, i like all a nice song in a movie. <laughs> Um, but as he sings, uh, his song comes to a bit of a, a halt as someone enters and the crowd goes quiet. It's the owner of the house where this fiesta is happening, the governor, and he <gasps> is aghast at the state of affairs that he has found. Um, he orders I, everyone. <laughs> yeah, I'm <please>. sorry. <laughs> I just love that back in, what, Shrek 2, they were like, we're going to do Puss in Boots for this one. What should the joke with this one be? Let's just make him Cat Zorro. Let's just do all the Zorro <laughs> shit with him. That, that's going to be it. And they've just stuck with that religiously. They're yeah. like, he's Cat Zorro. Here's the governor. Uh, Puss in Boots has brought the entirety of Latin America with him by extension because <laughs> he needs to hang out in a Zorro-y setting. Uh, and I just adore that. He does the dumb little, like, swipe the sword and a little pee. And he's always sticking it to all the, these rich aristocrats. <laughs> and I love that. It's so dumb. Yeah. And they were like, can we get Banderas? And Banderas was like, hell yeah, you've got me as long as you want me, baby. <laughs> it's beautiful and I'm so happy it exists. It's very charming. Like, <laughs> it takes a character that otherwise could have very easily been uh, just like an irritating ride along and makes them fun and engaging enough to carry their own movies. And I love yeah. it. Um, but the governor immediately orders everyone arrested and demands the head of the outlaw, Puss in Boots. Uh, and Puss in turn demands that the song come back up and begins fencing and fighting the <laughs> governor time. and his soldiers. <laughs> this is where, again, he brags he's never been touched by a blade, handily defeats the governor, and uh, in doing so, his fireworks-based finishing move awakens the sleeping giant of Del Mar, uh, mm-hmm. which begins to go and terrorize the town. This is all one very fluid sequence. Like The song is really knitting all of these action pieces together, and they're moving pretty quickly. So um, something that's really this movie does well as the animation feels incredibly fluid while still yeah. being acknowledging that it's animation at times uh you see it a lot in the fight scenes with the the style that they go for it's very um people have thrown it it's very spider-verse-esque yeah but it's yeah there's a it's actually uh we'll get to it in just a second but there's a thing they do that's actually an inversion of spider-verse that i think is very mm-hmm. interesting um because in spider-verse uh they normally animate on twos which is uh every two frames so 12 frames per second as opposed to 24 frames per second mm-hmm. uh so miles when he's sort of feeling awkward or out of place he's getting animated on twos but spider-man is almost always animated on ones when he's doing all his really fluid movement and the web swinging and the acrobatics so he looks like this fluid being sometimes you even get him being animated on ones and miles animated on twos in the same shots which makes it look like miles is sort of like your brain might not even register that that's what's happening but miles looks more staccato almost stop motion in comparison to the easy fluidity of spider-man uh they do the opposite of that in the fight scene with the giant puss in boots briefly goes through a wall grabs somebody's coffee with a little gracias, downs it, and the frame rate halves. So he was animated on ones, and now he's animated on twos for the Mm. caffeine buzz, which I love. (laughs) It's so (laughs) stupid. Who thought of that? It's it's good. It also, I feel like, you know, CGI animation has come incredibly far, and so incredibly fluid animation is itself like a a marvel of an artistic feat. But Mm -hmm. there is something that's very satisfying to me to see... um, 
3D animation that is using its frame rate or its style to kind of mimic the not quite, not choppier is the wrong word because everything's very fluid, but right. the crunchier nature of 2D animation where you can really tell, you can yeah. see the frames almost. And they do that a lot, especially in the action sequences in this movie. And mm-hmm. I thought it was a really uh, nice stylistic choice. It looked good despite, you know, kind of intentionally yeah being off from the maximum amount of fluidity they could have achieved yeah and they use this specific stylistic choice to essentially like undercrank the frame rate uh yeah. is it undercrank yeah uh to uh <laughs> to a different effect in the next fight scene uh yes. not to get ahead of myself but uh the, in this case it it creates this sort of frenetic energy of like he's he just drank an entire like espresso shot and he's a tiny cat so i'm amazed his heart hasn't exploded but this is the uh this is the speed at which he's operating on now like he's mm-hmm. left the frame rate behind him um but there are other effects you can derive from the same visual stutter so we'll we'll get there yeah but uh puss rushes to help the various peasants being attacked by this giant they're getting scooped up and whatnot uh and eventually is able to get him to drop all the peasants by giving him a little stab under the fingernail which looked incredibly painful oh yeah yeah. The spanish splinter as he dubs it later on um it seems that he's still doing fine in the fight as the giant begins to wield a bell from a nearby tower like a glaive or a whip almost uh against him and he's doing flips through the air freeing all the captured peasants poking at the giant he's really in his element he's th- he's their favorite fearless hero it's beautiful um, eventually knocking out the giant with his very own bell and as he kind of takes his little victory bow and le- revels in the cheering of the peasants said bell uh falls on puss in boots <laughs> Fade to black. <laughs> the uh, the bell also gongs eight times during the course of the fight. Uh, I'm sure that's not relevant. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> Flash of white. A voice calls to Puss in Boots, and he wakes up at the village doctor's. Um, I love. This is just a note I had here. How cat like Puss in Boots is because yeah. I know he's a cat, but they really let him revel in it. Like yeah. he does well, a little he... like bat at a leech that the doctor pat- pokes at him, and I'm like, I've seen Ziggy do that. <laughs> yeah, when he when he wakes up, he he's not wearing any of his costume, and he's so just a regular ass cat. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so just like, oh my god, he's just a cat. That's so funny. He's just a little man. Um, <laughs> he's just a little guy. Yeah. Uh, but the doctor has some bad news for him. He died. Uh, but he seems unconcerned about this, as Puss in Boots explains that I am a cat and I have nine lives. Uh, but the doctor points out, um, have you been keeping track of how many of those lives you've gone through? And this starts a little sequence where Puss in Boots will recount his uh, yeah. previous lives. A little death montage. Yeah. And they go through with each cause of death, all eight of them. There's, you know, sometimes he got, uh, he's a seafood allergy. He <laughs> a cat with a seafood, seafood allergy. I feel like they gloss over that a little bit. <laughs> a cat with a seafood allergy. <laughs> But various uh, no different methods. He need, should have had someone spot him when he was lifting weights. Some of them are a little silly. Yeah. Some of them are got flattened more. by the running of the bulls. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all sorts of chaos. got really wasted on St. Patrick's Day and walked off the edge yes. of a bell tower. Just a lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, so what is that like for? <laughs> He's on his last life now, uh, and the doctor recommends that he retire from his adventuring life and go somewhere safe, uh, perhaps with someone who cares for him. And while it is clear to us, the audience, that Puss in Boots has no one despite his various boasting, um, it seems to also be clear to the doctor, who gives (laughs) him the address of Mama Luna, a cat fancier, where he can go and be adopted and be safe as a lap cat. Which, uh... 
plants the overarching theme of this movie, Puss in Boots the legend is loved by all, but Puss in Boots the man, or rather Puss in Boots the cat, uh, <laughs> is uh, rather isolated and alone. Mm-hmm. I'm amazed he didn't even bring up, like, I guess I could crash on Shrek's couch or something, but, like, you know, <laughs> he'd probably just make fun of me. I think the, the most of this movie is doing as much as possible to avoid acknowledging the Shrek of it all. There's, like, maybe two moments there where I'm two like, moments, oh, that's yeah. a character from Shrek. Uh, yeah. But for the most part, it's like, no, we're doing everything... We possibly can to ignore the fact that this is a Shrek spinoff and just be our own movie, which I think mm. works to their advantage. Oh, great. Um, nothing against Shrek. I am a <laughs> child of the early 2000s. I've seen it many times, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it is nice when a movie can stand on its own, even if it's working in the spinoff space. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Puss goes to the bar to lap at some milk and complain about his retirement. Uh, well, because he doesn't want to retire. At this point, he, no. he's like, absolutely not. I'm still pushing boots. You know, the legend, he doesn't retire. Uh, mm-hmm. There's also eight empty glasses at the bar. I'm sure that's not relevant. Uh. <laughs> They're loving their eights. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as he uh, drinks his troubles away, <laughs> a whistling ominously kicks up, and beside him appears a wolf dressed all in black robes. The wolf addresses him at first uh, kind of like a fan would, complimenting his cobbler, a you know, person who makes shoes, the puss in boots of it all coming around, <laughs> uh, and asking for an autograph. But the paper he slides over is a wanted poster, and he points to the dead part of Dead or Alive on this puss in boots wanted poster. Puss, he does uh, seem genuinely giddy to be meeting yeah. Puss in Boots. He, he like, he's got this big grin. He's just like, oh, you know, it's such an honor. <laughs> and it's like, oh, he's having a good time. Um, yeah. Uh, Puss thinks that he's a bounty hunter and gets ready to square up for a fight, but the wolf just continues to sip at his own drink and fends him off with ease, almost uh, blinking you'll miss it kind of parries, uh, wielding two little hand scythes. This guy yeah, is well, a, a cut above. or something. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um. There's, this is also when the frame rate halves again, because, mm-hmm. of course, Pussy Boots is like, oh, okay, we're squaring up for a fight. It's going to happen. All right, no more messing around. And the frame rate halves. Uh, and I think that's when the wolf, like, does the neck catch, which is always a bad sign. Like, <laughs> like in the field of villain-to-hero fight choreography, punch catch is bad news. Neck catch is the worst news. Mm. <laughs> um and uh, so the, the frame rate stays halved for most of the fight. But in this case, Puss in Boots is on the back foot. Like, he's not the one in control here. Uh, and the fact that his movements seem jittery and slow just drives home how terrifyingly fast the wolf is. Yes. And the wolf will very easily keep him on the ropes here. Mm-hmm. Eventually, cutting a little bit too close and just snicking the top of Puss's head just the tiniest, tiniest little drop of blood, but that is the first time a blade has touched Puss in Boots. Yep. In one fell swoop, Puss in Boots has been touched by a blade and is afraid. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. His hair stands all on end, uh, and his life flashes before his eyes, which the wolf including Shrek. funded him for, including Shrek. some Shrek. Yes, this is where one of the Shrek bits like, It's a very serious moment, and then, oh, look, there's Shrek and Donkey. Oh, but back to the serious moment. Mm-hmm. We also get a uh, shot of, like, his mom handing him his first <laughs> pair of boots, and I want to know what her deal is. <laughs> I want the Puss in Boots prequel. Yeah. Not, he's not involved. It's just Mama Boots. <laughs> no, no. She, at the end, she adopts the kitten. <laughs> and because he's a male orange cat, he's a himbo, and she's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. <great." laughs> sure. It's a real Dick Grayson kind of situation, you know? It's oh, a real background. so she, she's, like, doing the Zorro thing for... Oh, yeah. oh, so it's just that Zorro movie where Anthony Hopkins <laughs> is Zorro and then Antonio yes. Banderas becomes Zorro, but Mama yes, Boots exactly. is... Okay, this is cool. what I want. Um, I, I love it. Puss in Boots, The Last Wish 2, Mama Boots Origins, Wolverine. <laughs> 
hit us up, DreamWorks. We will license this. Because uh, <laughs> we own this idea. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> the wolf, with him now on the ropes, kicks him his sword and tells him to pick it up. Uh, but Puss instead runs and flees as the wolf slowly and methodically gives chase, whistling his spooky spooky tune. Um, Puss, trapped in the corner, flees through a sewer grate and rushes off into the forest and away from town. And I as think he... he was trapped in the bathroom and escaped through the toilet, but yeah. sewer grate is the less humiliating way to frame That's that for sure. That's the exit route, at the very <laughs> least. <laughs> Yeah. Um, it's it's a bad day for Puss in Boots. Like, yeah. it doesn't have his sword, doesn't have his dignity. None of the things about his theme song <laughs> apply to him anymore. He's just having a bad time. Not great. Uh, walking on, he arrives at Mama Luna's cat rescue after a little bit of a montage, and inside the rather charming-looking home, uh, he removes his various garments, including the boots, and buries them. Uh, feeling that he is no longer worthy and gives a little funeral and eulogy for himself, the legendary hero, Puss in Boots, uh, including singing a bit of who is your favorite fearless hero before breaking down and crying for his own loss. Melting um, his mascara in the process. Yeah. <laughs> I love mascara. that it's canon that this cat his wears guyliner. Oh, sorry. Meowscara. Yeah. <laughs> God, it's incredible. <laughs> he has the little like, oh, moment. It's so fun. But also like, genuinely it's like yeah you know the legend is so important to him you know he, up mm-hmm. until now he's had no trouble being the legend there's only been the little moments of like well you know I yeah, Pussy Boots is beloved by all but like I myself I don't really have a crash a cash I can crash on and it's like oh a little bit of a disconnect between the cat and the legend it's... but now it's like the legend is very different than the experience he's living right now and he's like <laughs> I literally I cannot be Puss in Boots anymore because all the things that are Puss in Boots I cannot be anymore none of them apply to me um holds the funeral and it's it's very sad because you know well, yes i guess the movie's over now no and immediately to kick him while he's down he goes over to mama luna's door who brings him in and gives him a bath and renames him pickles introducing him to all the other many many cats that she has rescued uh they're all you know wearing mittens getting the classic cat food litter box treatment you know it's not that it, they're not being cared for but it's not the adventuring life that he knew and loved and every uh, time and he, he tries to like use the man toilet or uh make himself breakfast in a skillet she like spritzes him with a water bottle because it's like pickles <laughs> that's for people <laughs> it's like i love that the shrek universe is just aware that there are like magical like bipedal animals but this lady's like none of that in my house <laughs> no, no, <laughs> get no. out of here as he kind of loses his spark in life, we cut away to the town where uh, riding in one night with a wanted poster for Puss in Boots is a girl and three bears. Yes! It's Goldilocks and the three bears. They're bounty hunters looking for Puss in Boots, vague crime thieves doing they're a, they're stuff. A, the, puss, they're the three bears gang, so presumably they do gang-adjacent things. <laughs> <laughs> it's not exactly clear. No. I do like how they do the character introductions in this movie, too. They throw, like, a wanted poster for them up, and then it's just yeah. their names and, like, a little stylized art. It's a nice little sting. Um, it's fun. I'm amazed they hadn't put Goldilocks in the Shrek movies before. She seems like a real no. easy mark. But, yeah, um, right? But, yeah, she's fun, and uh, they're all very, very, like, British, uh, but in a sort of, like, rough-and-tumble-from-the-streets British kind of way, which is always <laughs> fun. Um, yeah. I don't know the regional accents. I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, back at Mama Luna's, one of the cats keeps smacking uh, Puss in Boots with his tail while they eat, uh, which prompts 
puss to turn around and be like, hey, can you chill with that? Uh, only to be met with a very upbeat, quote unquote, cat who is excited to see someone else that can talk. Uh, mm-hmm. It's very clearly a dog in a little costume. It's a little uh, chihuahua with a little cat hat. <laughs> also, at this point, Puss in Boots has grown a big beard of sadness. Yes. Uh, which is hilarious <laughs> and makes no sense. <laughs> It's just for fun. We have to signify that time has passed. <laughs> How will the people know otherwise if he doesn't have his big sad beard? It's The fact that he's now surrounded by a bunch more photorealistic cats just really highlights the absurdities of his like yeah. Like when he's introduced, he like says, uh, meow, and the cats are all like, oh, he's like, well, I'm sorry, did I say something offensive? It's my second language. And it's like, what do you mean it's your second language? <laughs> What is the logistics of your existence? And I kind of love that it's just like, it's kind of got like the same energy as like Emperor's New Groove, which is the characters are all aware that their universe is absurd and that's what yeah. makes it funnier. Um, yeah. yeah. So. And also the thing I liked in this scene is um, all of the other cats are like gray in some capacity mm. and so Puss in Boots really does stand out being oh, I didn't an orange that. cat. Yeah. yeah, that's good design. Very dull background. That's good. good. That's cat good design. Car- cat design. <laughs> um Puss does the whole I want to be left alone routine to this little chihuahua, but he just hangs around and watching him tells him his whole story about how he lives under the stairs, and he's just a very upbeat little fella. Puss catches a glimpse of a wolf silhouette in the window as they're having this conversation right before the bears and Goldilocks bust in looking for (gasps) Puss puss in boots. Um, The bears terrorize the house full of cats, giving Mama Luna the piano treatment, which involves putting her in a piano and playing it, which she seems rather nonplussed by. Um, Actually, she seems to be rolling with that one pretty. She, she's like, you think this is the first time I've been stuck in a piano? It's like, yes. Yes. Forgive me for assuming, madam. Um, uh-huh. uh, they've got fun energy, too. Yeah. The running gag with these guys is, of course, the Goldilocks running gag. So, mm-hmm. like, the dad, like, squares up to be scary bear. It's like, oh, would you mind telling us the location of Pussy Boots? And she's like, too, too soft. soft. And then the mom's like, you give us to it. Give him to us so we'll blow your brains out. And she's like, too, too hard. hard. <laughs> it's just very cute. Yes. I love um, a, a thing that can commit to the gimmick. <laughs> That's the one thing that I will say this movie and also the Shrek franchise as a whole does pretty well is in adapting all these different fairy tales. They're really good at committing to whatever the gimmick they've chosen to highlight from that story is. Mm-hmm. Like, they- <laughs> We'll get there. <laughs> yeah. Um, Mama Bear holds up Puss in Boots at one point to compare him to the poster, but he's so far beyond his heyday. Goldilocks doesn't even recognize him. It's like he's an entirely different cat. It's just um, the beard. It's, it's he's just grown a sad beard and isn't wearing pants or boots, I guess. Boots. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Baby Bear finds the grave that Puss had made when he first arrived, assuming that he's dead. And they all walk away. Uh, and as they do, Puss overhears them talking about a map that they were trying to find tonight, uh, which, you know, if they don't see it, they'll never be able to find the wishing star, which has oh. one wish to grant. And they wanted to hire Puss in Boots to help them steal from Big Jack Horner, uh, who no one steals from. <laughs> so uh, in the overarching theme of Puss in Boots is terrified of dying now, uh, this part of the story is interesting and necessary because he's gone from like, hey, it doesn't matter, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. I'm still fine, to like having a near-death experience being like, oh, God, uh, oh, no. And... Uh, putting up his boots and, you know, basically retiring. But in his current state, he's essentially just waiting to die. He's not really yeah. living. He's just, you know, like, I'm in the I've grown my beard of sadness and I'm not talking to anybody and I'm miserable. Uh, so it's like, okay, well, he's not dead, but he's not really living either. And then 
this idea of like the wishing star. He's like, oh, the wishing star, I could wish for more lives. And this would be great because then I could go back to being Puss in Boots again because I wouldn't be afraid. Uh, he doesn't spell it out that overtly, but it's very clear that that's what he's thinking. Like, you know, I could, I, I could be myself again because mm-hmm. I could have more than one life left. Uh, and so he sort of, I mean, not to step on your toes, but uh, <laughs> he's like, all right, I got I to gotta get my stuff back because uh, yeah. I'm, I'm back in the saddle, baby. <laughs> Yeah, he immediately, considering his options, decides to head out, uh, and the little dog, who will be referred to as Perito the whole time, uh, digs out his stuff, but notably, Perito does not have a name of his own. Uh, More on that later. (laughs) Yes, but he is delightful. He's very, very sweet and cute. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think he's played by the guy who, he's in, like, What We Do in the Shadows. Uh, Yeah, Harvey, I'm so sorry if I say this last name wrong, uh, Gillian, also Gian, in probably? what we Gian, yeah also yeah. in what we do in the shadows and very very talented uh, yes very cool yes um puss tries to do the dramatic reveal of his identity when he puts on all of his old stuff but he is swordless so there's nothing to swoosh dramatically when he strikes pose mm-hmm. uh and perito offers him a stick <laughs> he refuses to admit why he doesn't have the sword by the way because that would require him to admit that he was terrified and ran away mm-hmm. uh, he's like oh you know it, it's fine i, I don't really have it but i don't don't worry about it yeah um, obviously every time he tries to get rid of the stick perito goes and fetches it it's, it's yes. cute um, little cute guy because he wants to come along but of course puss and boots works alone because at this point in every movie any character who is in the Zorro Batman dichotomy uh, has to deliver the line. I work alone. Yeah, um, yeah. It's 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 part of the. You get it with the cowl or the or yeah. the mask or the hat. You know, it's <laughs> or the boots in yeah, this case. Yeah. <laughs> it's got a little tag on the inside that says you can't have friends. <laughs> it's like okay, cool. I'll I'll accept that uncritically. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> we then go to Jack Corners, a very ominous looking castle slash in hybrid pie factory. Uh, where Puss begins to sneak in through the pipes, along with Perito, who has followed him, uh, and is waiting outside. (laughs) Big Jack Horner is incredibly funny, and in the grand lineage of Shrek villains is also the Disney Corporation. Um, Yes. (laughs) Really, really overtly, and I love it. He's also voiced by John Mulaney. (laughs) Yes. Uh, But sneaking in through the pipes, uh, Puss in Boots watches as Big Jack Horner checks out his merchandise by sticking his thumb into the pies, which goes along with the nursery rhyme that he's from which i was not super familiar with but the movie will luckily spell out for us basically kid uh stuck his thumb into a pie he was eating and pulled out a plum and ate it is a bit what a good boy am i yeah yeah it's it's like a two-liner tops it's not Mm -hmm. one of the big names for a reason no um but he now runs a pie empire uh and arriving are some of his (laughs) (laughs) okay anyway Arriving are some of his hirelings, the Serpent Sisters, who have the map that he wanted, uh, and he tells them to take it to the trophy room. These guys are funny because they keep trying to explain, you know, all the murdering we did to get this thing, and he keeps cutting them off before they can explain all the murdering they did. Yeah. (laughs) Presumably to keep it PG. Uh... I was but thankful the, the movie that... did not subject us to the finding of the map portion of it. They really, yeah. they're just like, we're going to have someone steal it. Someone's got the map, and now everyone's trying to get the map from that person. Yep. Um, and we're just going to be on the journey the whole time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's all about the power of friendship, baby. We, mm-hmm. we can't waste time on trivialities, like whatever cool <laughs> heists they did to get this thing in the first place. Get out of here. Nope. Uh, Puss in Boots drops from a pipe into the trophy room, which is full of all manner of magical and fairy tale related objects, you know. Cinderella's glass slipper Cinderella's, is like the yeah, first thing. unicorn horns. There's a phoenix. All sorts of stuff. Basically, a room full of uh, Chekhov's fill in the blanks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
It, I think every single one of those things comes back later except the shoe. Yeah. Which Puss in Boots does almost break on his walk-in. So to be fair, yes, of course. it had its moment. With cat-like tread. <laughs> Jack is monologuing a little bit and goes to open the box containing the map about how with this wish, he'll become the master of all magic. But before he can take a look at his spoils, one of the sisters asks him to do the thumb thing like in the fairy tale, which he corrects to nursery rhyme. And uh, she goes on to recite the nursery rhyme about little Jack Horner eating a pie with his thumb. And it flashes mm-hmm. back to being overshadowed, performing this particular nursery rhyme by none other than the Pinocchio uh, <laughs> of the previous Shrek movies fame, who was very much having a moment. Easiest paycheck that voice actor ever made. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, Pinocchio, we need you back for five seconds. <laughs> You're going to be upstaging our lead villain. Yes. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Geppetto in the corner just counting his money. Um, <laughs> Pinocchio really had a moment this year because there was yeah. <laughs> several iterations, one of which is really good and the other ones are movies that exist. Uh, uh, yeah, the Del Toro <laughs> Pinocchio really waited until they were all done, you know, shitting themselves in public to be like, all right, now this is how you write one. <laughs> now this is how you adapt this uh, fairy Step tale. Step one, Ewan McGregor. Step two, 15 years of work. The moment Ewan McGregor spoke in that movie. That's not what we're here to talk about. But okay. I, I didn't know he was cast in it when I was watching it. And I was like, oh, oh really? my God, we're in for a treat, baby. But again, oh, he's not God. in this movie, so we have he's to not return. in this movie. Focus on the movie. <laughs> Pinocchio. Uh, Pinocchio. <laughs> back in the current day, insisting that he's Big Jack Horner, Jack goes towards the sisters, taking his Little eyes off Jack's of the box. Jack's dead. I'm Big Jack Horner now. <laughs> <laughs> um, which Puss in Boots uh, breaks into, only to get drop kicked by Kitty Softpaws, who was Kitty also double-crossing the bears who tried to hire her earlier. So all of our key players are going for this map. We've met yes, pretty much so all of them now. <laughs> key detail. I've never seen any of the earlier Puss in Boots no, movies, so... Uh, Kitty Softpaws is clearly from those movies. Uh, that she was clearly his designated romantic interest, Kitty. Uh, so, but uh, clearly they've had a bit of a, a bit of a falling out. Um, so that that's that's all happening, which is it's cute and fun. She's fun. I love her. <laughs> and yeah. her dynamic with Puss in Boots is great and immediately elevates the movie because with with Perito <laughs> you kind of get like they don't really have banter as equals because Perito is so nice and just adorable that every time Puss in Boots is like, eh, go away, I don't like you. He's like, yeah, okay, that's nice. We're friends. Whereas Kitty can actually call him on his shit and he has to listen to her, and I like that. Mm-hmm. And they do a pretty good job of immediately establishing their dynamic because the two of them just start uh, immediately wrestling and bickering in the way that old friends and perhaps more might do. do. Um, And cats, also cats. (laughs) And also cats, yes. A little bit of a cat fight. Uh, (laughs) As they're having this argument, Jack grabs King Midas's hands as he had previously promised the sisters their weight in gold and turns one of them into gold with said (laughs) hand. Uh, And the other, uh, counting their luck, will run off with her gold sister in a wheelbarrow. They're unimportant to the rest of this movie. (laughs) Oh no, I misjudged the situation! (laughs) They really play it, like, it's funny, but also everything in that scene is horrifying. Oh, yeah. That's probably why they were like, we got to make the sisters, like, really drive home that they did a lot of murdering to get this map, because <laughs> otherwise this would be really unsettling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the sister who gets turned to gold is also the one who was uh, mocking Jack a little bit for being in one of the boring nursery rhymes and mm-hmm. asking him to do the yeah. thumb thing. So you're not too surprised that uh, unfortunate fate befalls her mocking the main villain. Yeah, yeah. He, they're there to show how scary Big Jack Horner is, and I yes. love it. Uh as Kitty and Puss continue to argue, Goldie and all of the bears fall through the ceiling, and now all of our players have been assembled in a room, are aware that they're all there, that someone has the map, and are all mad at each other for various degrees of stealing and uh, backstabbing. Woo! 
everybody wants this map. Kitty and Puss start their escape into the pie factory with the map, and everyone gives chase. Kitty eventually uh, manages to grab the map and flee, but Puss, uh, having his feet stuck in pies and swordless, is knocked into her, and the two go flying out through the window, luckily landing in a cart driven by Perito. Uh, who is I believe they happy. also briefly escape on a magic carpet, which Jack Horner yes. then stabs with a trident and like <laughs> impales to the ceiling. So uh, again, Big Jack Horner is Disney. Almost all of the stuff that he deals with is a prop from a major Disney movie. It's very <laughs> funny. Uh, the trident is from um, Little Mermaid, Little obviously. Mermaid. Uh, so the Aladdin. fact that they were like flying carpet that's gonna be useful oh god it's dead <laughs> like okay cool yes uh, but luckily you know Perito's there to help them start their sh- escape on a cart uh, there's a little line about how Perito wants to be a therapy dog and uh, Kitty is just happy that Puss is in therapy <laughs> <laughs> yeah which I found very funny <laughs> it's, it's just so cute and that's the thing like suddenly assembling this trifecta means that Puss in Boots is the butt of the joke instead of the guy who's like, I, I work alone, get out of here. Mm-hmm. Like, he's 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 moved beyond that now, and now they're just taking the piss out of him, and it's yes. great. We also learn that Kitty is specifically mad at Puss in Boots for Santa Coloma, but we do not Santa know what Coloma. Santa Coloma is. See, <laughs> si, Santa Coloma. It's, they've got great energy, and I, I love it. Uh, yeah. And of course, there's Perito, who's just happy to happy be along to be for the ride. <laughs> <laughs> He's the energy I want to bring to the rest of my life. Just I'm <laughs> having a great time and happy to be here. <laughs> uh, Jack's guards are giving chase until Puss knocks over some gold, and the people, the be- various peasants of the town, scramble for it and block the way. And just as mm-hmm. they think they're in the clear, Puss catches a glimpse of the wolf in the distance, and they speed up and flee. Crucially, uh, this is after he spills the gold, which is a classic Puss in Boots moment of like, oh, I'm redistributing the wealth for the people. Yeah, he has like, oh, you know, this heroism brought to you by your favorite fearless hero, Puss in Boots. And then he immediately Mm -hmm. sees the wolf. And it's like, oh, the universe is keeping you humble, my friend. (laughs) So again, this intrinsic conflict of like, can you be Puss in Boots, the fearless hero that laughs in the face of death? Or are you a scared kitty? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Which of those is the true identity? (laughs) Uh, And it, it keeps coming up, and I love it. Yeah, because this movie's really intense. <laughs> uh, Jack demands the baker's dozen be assembled, which of course means thirteen bakers that all ride on his magic uh, pumpkin from Cinderella. <laughs> and he just shoves a bunch of magic items into a D and D players would call it a bag of holding. Fans of Mary Poppins would call it Mary Poppins bags. It's unnamed, <laughs> but it's a big bag that can hold pretty much anything. Yeah, um, or everything, as the case may be. <laughs> yes, check off anything from his trophy everything. room. Yep. yep. <laughs> he rides off in pursuit with his 13 Baker warriors. Uh, as the cats continue to ride, Kitty and Puss examine the map, which is blank, save for a riddle that kind of populates in as they look at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also the- continues to not admit what happened to his sword. Because, uh, yes. of course, Kitty's like, where the fuck is your sword? And he's like, oh, it's making things too easy. Eh? Who needs it? And it's like, oh, buddy, <laughs> come on, uh, <laughs> dude. Uh, the riddle reads, the dark forest is deep and far. Within its bounds, you'll find the star. A single wish burns true and bright. This map, the key, so hold on tight. Uh, so they're off to the dark forest, continuing to argue about who holds the map. Kitty asks Perito his name, and he does his whole spiel about not having one. Uh, and as they ride on, 
Um, Jack and the bears are in pursuit and we enter another traveling montage uh, because it's not important what we do outside of the Black Forest. We have to get to this dark and spooky landscape. What is this style of editing of like the slow motion, like silhouette <laughs> shots with the, the, the landscape shots and the close up shots fading in and out? Of a lot all of crossfades. Yeah, uh, a lot of crossfades. You would say a montage. Okay, much. yeah, yeah. Yeah. I feel like. It's a very specific style of editing I haven't seen in a while, so it's <laughs> notable in my head. Is like this feels like mid two thousands to me, which I guess is for, for everything about this movie. But like you know, it yeah. and also of course you got the bit where like everyone else is looking regal and there's Perito fading in, just looking With a goofy. Sandwich. Yeah. Uh, they arrive at the dark forest, which to enter you have to cross a magic portal. Uh, that they all slide right on through and land in a bright and vibrant forest environment. This doesn't look like the dark forest at all. Um, Puss tries to do the cute eyes at Kitty to let him hold the meth, but she just does the eyes right back, and all they succeed at doing is giving Perito a cuteness <laughs> overload. Uh, so they all look at the map together instead. Yes. <laughs> they I see love the, the way that the dark forest is built out. It is the perfect tool for forcing character development. Um, mm-hmm. Because the gist of the dark forest forest as i'm sure you're about to bring up uh whoever holds the map uh essentially magically reshapes the dark forest to be specifically yes. designed to facilitate their character development <laughs> exactly uh they get another riddle when they all look at the map follow this enchanted chart it knows your path and knows your heart and then as each of them touches it it shows who is in the enchant in the dark forest and also um the map will as you mentioned change to reflect whoever is touching it so when puss in boots and kitty touch it it's some variation of terrible obstacle horrible. <laughs> and Perito touches it and it's like the packed full of peonies the, yeah, the, the pocket relaxing voyage yeah <laughs> the valley of quick and easy solutions whereas with puss in boots it's like the valley of lost souls and, yeah you know, the, uh the the caves of misery and with puss it's like the the, the mountain crags of despair and then perito's got it and he's like oh this looks so nice oh oh but it's your adventure you should have it and they're like you hold on to the map yeah they <laughs> Which decide is the, to let him hold it <laughs> it's the turning point for when they stop seeing him as just kind of like a tag along and being like oh this is actually important to our mission yeah we'll yes. use him and uh yeah mm-hmm. uh as they're also viewing the map they see that the bears have arrived as they appear on the map and so take off to try and maintain their lead goldilocks meanwhile is telling the three bears all about what they're gonna do with their map uh wish which is you know be big time thieves they're gonna have their own crime syndicate they're gonna be like crazy wealthy uh, and Mama asks what kind of wish can do all that. but And Goldie gets a little dodgy. She's like, oh, I can't tell you my wish. It's birthday rules, you know. Um, but they're Suspicious. continuing their pursuit nonetheless. Meanwhile, Puss and the crew continue to run and argue about what they're going to wish for before hitting the pocket full of posies, which are a bunch of big growling flowers. Kitty and Puss try to fight their way through, but Perito stops to smell the roses, and by taking their time to appreciate what's in front of them, they too are able to pass no problem by stopping to smell the the, the I guess posies, but they he says roses. It's yeah. fine. The flower logistics I mean, they're, they're is not like an important part. <laughs> Twenty foot tall, blue, sparkly, giant man eating flowers. So like, <laughs> I think trying to argue the the taxonomy is a, yeah. is kind of a losing battle from the start. But basically, they're learning life lessons from Perito. These two un, untrusting cats. Uh. Um, Kitty asks Perito what his story is, and he tells them how it's a very funny tale about how he was the runt of the litter, abused and abandoned by his family and friends. Dropped in a river. Dropped in a river. Left to Uh, die. (laughs) One thing I really like about this scene is that as soon as it becomes clear that Perito's cheerfully recounted backstory is horribly tragic, 
Kitty and Puss both react with visible horror. Like, there's mm-hmm. no, like, oh, that sounds pretty rough. It's just, like, it, like, I think as soon as he's like, yeah, so then they threw me in a river, Kitty's like, oh, paws over face, like, eyes wide. It's just like, oh, my God. Uh, so this is another turning point in their dynamic with Perito, where they go from, like, he's a useful idiot to being like, oh, my God, I have to protect him. And it's like, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Local couple accidentally adopts puppy. More at 11. <laughs> Uh, but despite his sad backstory, he is notably the only one who does not have a wish he wants to make. Yeah, because they're like they're both immediately like, you should be the one making this wish. Oh, my God. And he's like, well, you know, I've already got an awesome sweater and two best friends. <laughs> it's like, oh, oh God. sweet baby boy. He's so um, sweet. I love him. Behind them, the bears and Jack continue to give chase. Jack actually catches up with the bears, knocking them off of the path before getting stopped by the posies and his various bakers try to cut their way through uh, but the flowers go on the attack making short work of some of the bakers um, luckily for Jack he has a magic bag full of fairy tale items and a lack of care for he- the lives and well-being of his employees the first oh thing he pulls out is Jiminy Cricket from Pinocchio uh, <laughs> who's like I'm here to be your moral compass um, I love this fucking cricket because this poor initially... cricket will be traumatized by the end of this movie <laughs> Well, because initially Jack's like, yes, go, my mighty locust. And he's like, oh, I'm, I'm not a locust. I'm actually a cricket. And it's like, uh, do you like breathe fire or something? Oh, no, silly. I uh, sit on your shoulder and uh, judge your actions. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. It's poor fucking. Uh, Somewhere along the line, they were like, how much more obvious can we make it? That this is <laughs> I know. <laughs> but Jack eventually uses the phoenix to burn the posies, despite the protests from the cricket. Uh, of and this the baker's being, dozen. And the baker's dozen of this being immoral and also harmful to his employees. <laughs> Don't um, be near where I'm flamethrowing. <laughs> Ahead on the path, Puss and crew are floating down the river of relaxation, having bonding moments abound. Uh, Kitty talks about how she doesn't trust anyone, uh, but Perito doesn't seem to take that lesson to heart, uh, instead seeming to give in to his own trusting nature and hope that maybe that'll rub off on her. She tries to demonstrate that he can't trust anybody by, like, stealing the sweater off of him while talking, mm-hmm. and he's just, like, like either doesn't notice or doesn't care, and she has to kind of be, like, like gesture with it. Like, yeah. I, I just I just robbed you blind. He's like... <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> it's it's I love I love when they subvert a conversational trope by just letting the other participant react like that character would instead of following the script. It's so mm-hmm. funny to me. Um It's very very satisfying. I think this is um, also when Kitty drops her own tragic backstory, uh which uh yes. which is that she uh she's been declawed. Um, which is why she's got soft paws and trust issues, which is a real <laughs> thing that happens to cats when they've been declawed. So, mm-hmm. uh, so that's, uh, that explains a few things. Um, yes. And this is also where Puss is going to, uh, lose the beard. Get he rid of the horrible beard. <laughs> begs Kitty to help shave it off. Because uh, eventually... initially he, he refuses to admit that it's a beard of sadness. He's like, yes. oh, it looks distinguished. He's like, it looks like a possum crawled on your face and died of shame. <laughs> uh, and then he's like, he's like, oh, Kitty, you know, I've decided. Uh, actually, I'm going to acquiesce to you and get rid of the beard. She's like, I, no, I actually like it now. <laughs> you got to keep it. He's like, no, please get rid of it. Oh, God, it's so itchy. <laughs> oh. Yeah. And after a little bit of begging, she does uh, help him take a, little, take a little dagger, shaves off his beard. Looks like they're having a nice moment until she remembers Santa Coloma and they... Uh, go back to being a little bit at odds, but hey, she's warmed up to him a bit. She gives him her catito blade. Yeah, <laughs> little the tiny catito blade. Dagger. <laughs> it's a kitty kitty blade. It's a teeny little dagger with a cat head on it. Um, 
Also, just the banter in this scene is really good. Just letting mm-hmm. these three hang out in a fairly neutral environment uh, without immediate peril uh, does a really good job of establishing their dynamics with each other. Um, the the status quo that we're getting used to and uh, attached to so that when it is disrupted by character development or traumatic plot events, we're like, oh, no, I, I wish they go back to being friends with each other now. Um <laughs> You know, it's, it's always important to establish the status quo before you start breaking it. And this scene is yeah. really good for that. And it's also as he gets his new blade, uh, Puss will throw his stick off to the side, which, of course, Perito immediately runs after. And as they mm-hmm. make land to chase him, unfortunately, he is found by Jack first, who emerges from the forest holding Perito uh, with his remaining bakers and demands the map or else he'll shoot the puppy with the unicorn horn. <laughs> this is to the horror of Jiminy Cricket, who is, of course... <laughs> Uh, You're gonna shoot a puppy? Yeah, uh, in the face. <laughs> it's uh, really good. <laughs> this movie's really good. <laughs> How luckily... am I supposed to explain this to people? <laughs> uh, luckily, question mark that the bears show up and throw Jack off his rhythm, and now everyone is rushing to go catch the dog <laughs> that he's on, dropped, man. including Kitty uh, and Puss. As but Puss is struggling through this particular fight uh, to mm. get through all of the chaos. When the unicorn horns hit the various bakers that. Um, Jack keeps hitting in sort of the crossfire. They just sort of explode into confetti, and it creates it's this very chaotic. It's truly effect. horrifying to think yeah. about. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's a big spectacular fight scene, uh, and the animation is gorgeous. But it is also mm-hmm. very clear that uh, Puss in Boots is disoriented and like a little bit sensory overloaded from everything that's happening around him, uh, and like isn't on his best. Doesn't have his sword. Is mostly just like frantically dodging stuff. People mm-hmm. keep getting like unicorn horned right in front of him and then exploding, uh, and that's clearly not great. So he, he, not only is he on the back foot, he's like barely participating in the fight scene. Um, yeah. Uh, he does spot the map at one point, but before he can rush for it, he hears the whistling of the wolf, who has caught up with him yet again. And terrified, he runs off, Perito giving chase. Uh, also, and as... uh, when the wolf is introduced, he's framed by the environment in such a way that the environment looks like a skull, uh, which is pretty <laughs> cool. Uh, <laughs> I wonder why. Um, yes. Um also, he loses his hat in the process of running yes. away. So now, he, in the process of running from the wolf, he's lost both his sword and his hat, slowly losing all the trappings <laughs> of this legendary identity that he's attached to but feels he can no longer maintain. Yes. I wonder if that means something. Anyway. <laughs> Perito does bring the hat to him, uh, but he's rushing away from the fight. Um, and as he does, Goldie gets the map and uh, begins to change the thing as she grabs it that they are all standing in. Um, but before... She can, like, fully transform it. Uh... Wait, sorry, I got a little messed up with my notes. No worries. Yeah, I think... Uh, no, she grabs the map and it begins to change the environment they're in, ending up with all of our various players separated. Uh, Push, rushing through the dark forest, collapses against a tree, having a little bit of a panic attack, where Perito mm. finds him and lays down on his tummy until he calms down, <laughs> being an excellent good boy, a therapy yeah. dog at his finest. Uh, earlier clear, in the movie, like, he had referenced offhand that he wants to be a therapy dog and tried to yeah. get Puss in Boots to rub his tummy to feel better. Uh, yeah. And now he is sort of showing that that is something he'd be very good at. <laughs> he's very good at it. And also, crucially, Puss in Boots uh, doesn't try and, like, macho his way out of it. Like, mm-hmm. as, as he calms down, like, pets Perito a little bit, he, he thanks him. And uh, is kind of open about, like, what the heck just happened and mm-hmm. why he's freaking out and scared. Uh, and uh, it's... Again, this is this is a big step for him because, as mentioned, this is one of the three core pillars of the Puss in Boots identity. Never afraid. 
And up until now, he hasn't been willing to admit that he's afraid to anybody but even himself. Uh, uh, and now it's like, just to Petito, he's like, no, I, I'm, I'm afraid. Uh, you know, it's it's terrifying. And But Puss in Boots is never afraid, you know. Uh, and... Of course, also the conversation is about Kitty because, mm-hmm. you know, Perdita's like, maybe you should explain this to her. And he's like, no, no, I couldn't possibly, you know, <laughs> I yeah. care what she thinks of me and all that jazz. He's talking about how he's down to his last life uh, and you know, Preet is encouraging him to talk to Kitty about it. But Puss insists she must not hear of it. And speaking of Kitty, of course, this is when she's approaching from behind the tree in the weeds and kind of mm-hmm, overhears mm-hmm. the tail end of this conversation, uh, especially as Puss is telling the puppy about Santa Coloma, which was not a heist that went wrong, but it was when he left her at the altar. Yeah. Also, I love Perito, like, figuring it out. You're like, oh. Oh! (laughs) (laughs) This poor little puppy, like, Mm. oh my god, you did what? (laughs) And importantly, uh, Puss also talks about how much he regrets that day, and Mm. overhearing this does make Kitty soften a bit uh, as she loudly makes her presence known like by yelling their names, pretending that she didn't overhear anything, and reunited... Yeah. I love the inversion of the classic Shrek chestnut of uh, overhearing half a conversation to force <laughs> character conflict. Uh, so I, I love that in this case, they were like, we're going to give you guys a little, like, you, you get a gimme on this one. Yeah. You know, she's going to overhear the conversation just enough so that she knows that Puss in Boots has emotional depth beyond just the legend. <laughs> Sorry, my very own Puss in Boots just woke up and is yes, yes. Kitty, 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 kitty. Do you want to make your appearance? This is the most appropriate episode for you to show up in. Yeah. <laughs> you want to meow loudly into the mic? Uh, but the trio sets off after the bears as they now lead the pack with the map. The bears are currently dancing and walking along, having a great time with their new map. And as Goldie holds it, it begins to change and shows her another riddle. Um, mm-hmm. To find your wish, adjust your view. What you seek may be right in front of you. Crucially, Very- this is because the the bears just once again ask, like, you know, what, what's your wish going to be? And she doesn't tell them, but she clearly thinks it. Uh, so evidently what the map did, because, you know, it's, it sees your heart, was like, mm-hmm. oh, the thing you want, you don't actually need a magical star for. So I'll mm-hmm. stop showing you the way and start giving you life advice, which is very funny. I love this magical map. Yeah. Uh, and when she looks up from the map, they are now at their cabin from back home. The bears all rush in immediately despite Goldie's protests and get comfy uh, as Goldilocks tries to remind them that it's the forest playing tricks until she spots a fairy tale book, one of her old favorites, uh, and sees a child version of herself trying out all the beds just like in her fairy tale and notices in the book, importantly, that she has doodled over a picture of a girl in front of two human parents uh, to kind of look like herself. Um, <laughs> Mama Bear tells her that this was a a vision of the day their world became just right as they got (laughs) to welcome Goldie into their family, little orphan girl. Um, We get a sense of their family dynamic. Yeah, but also it's clear that throughout all of this, Goldilocks is um, visibly uncomfortable, uh, up to and including when she's seeing her younger self. There's like this moment of just genuine like softness in her Mm -hmm. when she sees, you know, this, uh, this adorable moment. But there's still this like... It's kind of clear she's not quite on the same page as Mama Bear in this scene, uh, but we don't yet know why. Because the visual and facial animation in this movie is really good and nuanced. (laughs) Meanwhile, uh, Puss in Boots, Kitty, and Co. are climbing a tree. Uh, At this point, Puss in Boots and Kitty have a little bit of a moment as he falls out out of the tree and becomes afraid of dying a little bit. And she grabs Mm -hmm. him uh, and he 
as she pulls him back up, admits that he was afraid in Santa Coloma and that he ran and that it was a mistake. And she tells him that it's okay because she didn't show up either. Uh, (laughs) She Uh. wasn't ready to show up for the legend Puss in Boots, the -the over-the-top figure. Um, But recently on this journey, he seems like a different guy. He seems different Mm -hmm. than he was back then. So this is the scene that spells out most explicitly the essentially internal conflict between Puss in Boots, the man, the myth, the legend, and mm-hmm. Puss in Boots, the, the cat, who is capable of feeling fear and compassion and, and opening his heart to yes. other people. Uh, because it's it's very clear that, like, you know, he and Kitty have, like, tension and chemistry. But with Puss in Boots, uh, I think the way she phrases it is, like, you know, I could never compete with your one true love. And he's like, who? And she's like, you, <laughs> you idiot. You. Uh, yeah. Um, at the top of the tree with their view, they spot the cabin that the three bears are in. And as they do, Jack, scrying in his uh, magic crystal ball, uh, sees them seeing the cabin and continues to follow. This is, again, where Jiminy Cricket will come into play, asking Jack about his childhood. And mm-hmm. Jack just sort of was like, oh, it was, you know, well-loved and cared for. Yeah, I didn't have much, only a loving family, a, a pie empire to inherit when I came of age. <laughs> Money. <laughs> yeah. Poor Jimmy Cricket. Uh, and more critically, Jack explains what his wish is. Uh, he wants the thing that can make him happy. All of the magic in the world, only for him. Yeah, nobody uh, else gets any. No one else uh, gets any. Which is, I believe, also the premise of the first Trek movie. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's something... I think the first Trek movie, if I remember correctly, is sort of that, but mostly he wants to... The short guy wanted to... <laughs> Yeah, make his kingdom magicless by pushing everyone out more so than having all the magic for himself. This is not true. I guess it's the inverse. Well, yeah, I just think it's funny how much uh, the Shrek franchise hates Disney (laughs) and is unapologetically (laughs) open about it. Uh, While crossing a ravine, 12 of the Baker's dozen, which is 13 people, fall in, uh, leaving Jack with only one Baker remaining. I think there were fewer than 12 left at this point. A lot of them got unicorn horned. Regardless, only one of them is left hanging off the edge of the ravine. (laughs) Jack asks if he's a talker, and then yeah, because at this point I think he's like gotten rid of Jiminy. Uh, uh, yes, he slaps Jiminy Cricket off of his shoulder, sending him flying away because Jiminy Cricket uh, tells him that he's a terrible person, and Jack's like, yeah. "No duh, you're an irredeemable monster." Oh, oh, what took you so long? And just and then looks down at the guy's like, "You're not chatty, are you?" <laughs> it's just it's so good. He's so awful. Uh, the cats arrive at the cabin and sneak in to steal the map. Uh, as they are making their little escape and all, Kitty floats the idea of maybe they could share the wish. Uh, <laughs> but unfortunately, Goldie and the bears notice that the map is being kidnapped, catnapped, uh, and they begin to flee. Kitty and Puss have a little like game of catch with the map, flowing it back and throwing it back and forth. They're working as a team, uh, mm-hmm. and it starts to change the terrain based on who's holding it. Um, but Goldie throws her staff at it, and it gets, like, pinched halfway between the Mountains of Misery and the cabin location, which results I in the whole landscape mechanic. going crazy. The fact that, it, it, canonically, the Dark Forest magically changes depending on who's controlling the map mm-hmm. means that they have this opportunity for, like, hey, let's turn the battlefield into a completely fluctuating, like, zero gravity. Half of it is mountain upswells, and, you know, just things are floating. It's wild. And uh, then they could choreograph really cool fights in here. So, yeah. again, the Dark Forest is the perfect tool for forced character development and cool action set pieces. <laughs> it's great. 
Speaking of action set pieces, to get around this one, Kitty and Puss in Boots dance their way across some floating stones and grab the map together. It's more stupid than that. They're dancing their way on each other's feet. Like, somehow that's letting them move <laughs> upright. Uh, but it's, it shows how, how they're communicating better and, like, are, are, are almost completely on the same page. He still hasn't told Kitty what his actual wish is. Mm-hmm. Uh, or I think even that he's on his last life. Uh, no, that hasn't but, come up. Right, but other than that, like she doesn't know why he's acting differently than he used to, but she does like it, and but he doesn't is the thing. He doesn't like that. There's a, still a hidden conflict in their character dynamic. Yes. Kitty and Puss grab the map and begin to read it together, uh, and it starts to become the Mountains of Misery, which is what Kitty's version of the map would have them be at at this point, but the bears grab Perito, and uh, suddenly the goal of the encounter changes. Puss tries to follow the map, uh, but it changes to his thing, the Cave of Lost Souls. And because of this terrain change, he becomes separated from Kitty uh, and Perito and the bears inside but of he does have the crystalline map. cave. But he has the map. Yeah. Uh, he sends Kitty off after their doggy buddy and continues to try and escape from the cave from his side. Um, inside of this cave, his various previous lives appear as reflections in the crystal, all eight are there and they're all strong and legendary one is even playing favorite fearless hero probably the one that got crushed by a bell (laughs) (laughs) um he's confronted with all that he was uh meanwhile the bears are (laughs) yeah Please. Well, uh, again, the, the conflict between the legend and the cat uh, is right now in full display. Uh, mm-hmm. That uh, The thing is, like, a legend can't die and can therefore not fear death. Um, and all these previous lives, it's easy for them to talk smack about how current Puss in Boots is, is not living up to his great legend. But, you know, they're all already dead. <laughs> they're all already legends. Um, yes. And uh, I think at one point it's explicitly stated, you know, the legend is so big there was no room for anyone else. So, like, legendary Puss in Boots is pretty cool, but, like, you know, Puss in Boots, what he actually wants in life and and Mm -hmm. what would make him happy, what would make the legend happy is never dying. So that's currently what he's trying to pursue with the wish. But, you know, what he actually wants, it's a little hard to to figure out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This scene is really fun for a lot of reasons. (laughs) But we'll we'll get back to it. Yeah, because meanwhile the bears are trying to use Perito as bait and set a trap for the cats. Uh, but as they're sort of setting up their little snare, Baby and Goldie are arguing back and forth as they are wont to do, like siblings would. Um, mm-hmm. And Perito is enjoying kind of watching them really go at each other with like insults and name calling and eventually wants to get in on it and lets out a stream <laughs> of insults. The movie took the opportunity to comedically bleep on occasion. <laughs> this is the second instance of them bleeping something Perito is saying, uh, is like so when he was listing funny. out his names that he's been called in the past. Um and after they were his kind of impressed, honestly. <laughs> yeah. And after his little comedic interjection, he mentions that he wishes he had a family like this and how lucky Goldilocks is. Um yeah, to have been she an won orphan. The orphan jackpot. Yeah. Uh this is very affecting to her, but when we cut back to our friend Perito, Kitty has nabbed him and replaced him with some pine cones in the shape of a chihuahua. <laughs> very effective. And the bears become trapped in their own little uh net. Giant bear trap thingy. Yes. Back in the cave, Puss's reflections try to convince him to go get the wish, to rush and go get it now so he can go back to how he was. But in reflecting, he is reminded of how it felt to walk alone, his time with uh, Mama and how awful it was. And then he flashes back to the good moments with his new friends. That is only really from this life. 
and he tells all of his reflections off, turning to leave. But before yeah. he can, <laughs> he is. I'm sorry. Crucially, the one he says is like, you know what? You guys are jerks, which is very confusing for me. <laughs> it's just, uh, I, I mean, here's the thing. Like for. Well, I'll get into this a little bit more later, but like for most of the movie, Banderas' vocal performance is very clearly, purposefully, like, I need you to be as Zorro-y as possible. Like, yeah. like for most of it, he's kind of doing like the, the Batman growl kind of thing. Uh, so on the rare occasion when he expresses an emotion that isn't like being pussy boots, it's very funny. It's like, you know what? You guys are jerks. <laughs> it's just <laughs> kind of disarming. Um, yeah. And more disarming is that the wolf arrives when he turns oh, around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that little thing that's happening. Yes. So this is encounter number three, rule of threes, perhaps. Yes, and perhaps something more will be learned about him, because in this instance, the wolf is going to monologue a little bit. Yeah, uh, that's great. He talks about how he saw all of the previous iterations die, uh, but Puss never noticed. And Puss realizes that the wolf is not a bounty hunter, but is, in fact, death itself. Um, I love this. I love this. Death has come for him, and he wants to take this last life now, uh, because Puss in Boots has always been an arrogant life. Admonition. Life wasting. Life wasting. Yeah. Yeah. Also, uh, in the very beginning, uh, in the very first scene, fearless hero when he's fighting the uh, giant, and there's a panning shot across the crowd of peasants doing the wave. The wolf is in fact in the background shot. Uh, he's he's there the whole time. So, but you don't notice because the camera moves fast and the adoring crowd is in front of him. Um, mm-hmm. But on my second watch here, I was like, ha! <laughs> you know, DiCaprio pointing <laughs> meme. Um, and uh, yeah, so so basically, death is. Uh, not happy that he's wasted all these lives. So basically he's like, you know, I figure I'll just save time and take this one now. Uh, and one yeah. of the past lives is like, that's cheating. <laughs> he breaks the crystals <laughs> like, shh, don't tell. Um, but he's so scary still. He's so fun, but also so scary. <laughs> uh, and he's so scary that he continues to frighten our protagonist. Uh, Puss runs out of the cave, barely escaping and fleeing and refusing to look back. And as he is fleeing from a cliff ahead top of him, uh, Kitty and Perito catch up. But even though he spots them, he doesn't stop to let his friends catch up. He's too afraid of what he's running from and pushes mm-hmm. through the forest, eventually ending up at the Wishing Star, which is a big, open, star-shaped arena. I wonder if perhaps we could see <laughs> some sort of final conclusion happening here. No, I'm sure he's going to get the wish immediately. It but yeah, looked just... like a boss fight when you were in a well, video game yeah, and you enter yeah. like a big open space with some it weapons kind of look like, time, maybe like, like a, a Zelda tomato. cage door was about to slow, close behind him. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So the fact that like he's been making progress in like being, you know, better, better person, having friends, opening up to Kitty, you know, uh, mm-hmm. s- surpassing the, the isolation that he's starting to realize was a flaw in being Puss in Boots. But now... Fear and desperation are driving him away from his friends, uh, seeing them but leaving them behind to try and get to the wish and get more lives as quickly as possible so that he can resolve what he thinks will resolve this internal conflict Mm. uh, so that he can be puss in boots again, no longer afraid. Exactly. Uh, And when he checks the map in the beginning of the wishing star, it begins to glow Meanwhile, the bears off and lost uh, Baby and Goldie continue arguing, and as they do, she finally reveals the wish that she wants to make, which is to get a proper family, a.k.a. not the bears, who have been nothing but kind to her. And this clearly hurts them as well. They consider themselves her family, so this is a real knife in the heart. 
It's pretty rough because Baby has been a little bit like, you're not, you know, you're not even a bear. You're, you're not really my, you know, you, she's not my sister, that kind of thing. Uh, so clearly, like, this is an argument that they've had before. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it's pretty clear that, like, it, like Goldilocks has always wanted a family. She's clearly, you know, in this version, she's an orphan drawing the little, you know, drawing the girl in the draw, uh, fairy tale book to look like her so that she can imagine having a mom and dad. Um, and, uh... Yeah, so this is this is a very hurtful revelation, and the fact that Baby is very hurt by it, considering he's the one who's been like, you know, my sister is like, oh yeah, I, I kind of like that they let these characters be internally inconsistent sometimes yeah. because it's very realistic. Uh, you know, it, when you're writing a character, it can be tempting to try and make them like these perfectly logical, like here are the core axioms of how they work. But it's like the real people are messy. You know, it's, it's bratty little kid with a sibling. Of course, you're gonna have like, oh, you're not my real sister kind of argument. But then if your sister is like. I'm going to use this magical wish to wish for a better family than you guys. You're probably going to take that a little personal. Yeah. <laughs> um, absolutely. Yeah, and, and Papa Bear, I, th- I think what he says is like, I guess some people only stick around till the porridge is gone. And it's like, oh, <laughs> devastation. Uh, but um, Mama notably responds even so with some kindness, uh, saying that they'll get her that wish, even though uh, they're all very clearly hurt. She's like desire. crying. She's like, if that's what you want, we'll get you that wish. And it's like, <laughs> ah, <laughs> she's so sad. Also, the 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 way they animate the expressions, like like only two characters in this movie are human. Um, and honestly, Jack Horner's proportions are so weird. He barely reads that way. But the way that everyone's facial expressions are animated in a way that you can clearly read them is incredibly yeah. skillful on the part of the animators. Something that's like easy to gloss over because they're doing such a good job. You barely notice they're doing a job. Putting a, a sad expression on a bear face is hard. <laughs> yes. And they do an excellent uh, job of it. Um, Jack also spot, they all spot the light from the wish lighting up and continue on towards it. Jack does the same and Puss continues to read the poem on the map. Uh, starlight, star bright, first star I see tonight. I wish. And before he can finish that, Kitty interrupts. She's arrived with Perito. She thinks that he has betrayed her once again. And she explains that she was going to wish for someone she could trust, just anyone, any single person who she could just trust implicitly because she's never had that. And, uh... He seems to want to tell her what's up as she gives him back the map and tells him to wish for his lives but to stay out of hers. He tries to explain that death is coming for him by saying, death is coming for me. (laughs) This whole scene is actually really, really impactful. Uh, Again, on the Banderas' voice performance side, Mm -hmm. uh, because... Basically, the the part that sets him off is when she's like, you know, I, I thought I could trust you, but like, you know, you're still the same puss in boots. And he says, I am not. I am not puss in boots. And it's this heart like that's the culmination. It's like that's the problem. He can't be puss in boots anymore. And that's what he's trying to fix. I, he does tell her, like, I'm on my last life. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that doesn't sway her very much because... You know, she she's still like she still knows his legend is more important to him than perhaps sharing a life with her or opening up or trusting her. Uh, so she like just she like gives up on her wish, gives him mm-hmm. the map and is like, you know, take it, whatever. Uh, and, and stomps off. And then as he's like holding the map, he like in desperation yells like, Kitty, death is after me. And she like stops a little bit, but clearly doesn't quite understand what he means because uh, mm-hmm. maybe he's being he, metaphorical as yeah. he yells this every other player in this story arrives it's a big fight they're all standing in a corner of the start it's Jack, the Bears, Goldilocks, Kitty uh, Piero <laughs> Perito mm-hmm. and Puss uh, 
the map goes flying around. It's an all-out rumble. The star begins to rise from the ground, and a glowing field emerges around from the edges of it that uh, one baker, the one who was left, Hopefully, it shows us that if you go through it, you disintegrate um, yeah, by being thrown through it. <laughs> yeah. So this, yeah. So this whole fight scene is uh, pretty, pretty intense. Obviously, it's one of those instant death arenas if you if you hit the edge. Uh, everyone's stomping around, uh, and of course, uh, Puss in Boots is at his emotional darkest hour because uh, he just uh, he'd been building back up his dynamic with Kitty, and now she's basically left him in disgust uh, mm-hmm. because she thinks that he. She thinks that he was tricking him. Or he, he, that she thinks that he was tricking her, and that uh, that she, he was just using her to get this thing so that he could selfishly wish for more lives. Um, and uh, that's not super good for him, emotionally speaking. No. Uh, as the fight continues, Jack Horner knocks Baby Bear into the edge, and as all the other bears try to pull him back in, he starts to slip away. But Goldilocks, who had gotten her hands on the map, gives it up to go and pull him in because he's the smash, she's the grab. And she chose her bear family over any wished up imagined family because they are family. Like a Fast and the Furious movie, (laughs) it's been about family the whole time for them. Yeah, which is why I I like that the map, like halfway through the movie, was like, girl, are you sure you need my magic (laughs) for this? I feel like you. You've got this. Come on, man. You got it handled. Literally, you call them mom and pop. (laughs) What are you talking about? Mm -hmm. Um, But again, I like that, you know, Goldilocks is also a little bit internally not sure what she wants because. Um, because ultimately, uh, on top of the the conflict between the legend and the cat, uh, the the question of can you know what makes you happy is a mm-hmm. huge factor in this movie. Everyone who comes into this with a wish, you know, Jack Horner spells it out like I'm gonna get the one thing that'll make me happy, and it's like that's not gonna make him happy. It's gonna make him a supervillain. Yeah. I mean, you know, he already seems pretty happy by that standard. Um, <laughs> and if Puss in Boots gets nine more lives. You know, was he happy before? He doesn't seem to think so at this point. Uh, Kitty wishing for somebody she can trust, like somebody she could trust would make her happy because that, you know, that that's a little bit rough. But does she need magic to wish for that? And Perito, who, you know, they're like, your life has been so miserable. He's like, no, it's not. I'm happy. You know, bad things have just happened. <laughs> um, yeah. And of course, Goldie, like she thinks, oh, what will fix me is not being an orphan anymore. Two real parents, you know, a proper mm-hmm. family. Uh but she's already happy. She's been happy with the bears. The only time she's clearly been unhappy has been when she's been pondering this wish. Uh, so essentially the the overarching theme of what you want, what you need, and what will make you happy are not necessarily the same three things uh, is really coming to a head uh, in the battle physically on a wishing star, yes. which uh, I love that because this movie's good. <laughs> it's so hard to explain this. <laughs> It's a, oh, you know, it's it's got a, it's using its style effectively. I think that the trouble you can run into sometimes with animation is like style versus story, right? Animation is it's a very free medium, and that you can pretty much create anything you can think of, uh, if you take the time and care to animate it. Um, mm-hmm. So it's easy to focus on the style aspect and then neglect the story. But on the other hand, if when you do the story well, you have the freedom to create whatever you want to represent it. So, for example. Ending on the wishing star, you can quite literally end on the wishing star and render it how you see it in your mind and how it would be most appropriate to the story uh, without having to worry about the logistics of scouting a location on to build a giant star (laughs) cell, you know? Yeah, Um, yeah. The the freedom of animation is is very impressive. And the style of this movie is gorgeous. Like, all the mm -hmm. characters fit very well into their environment, but also all the environments look very painted. There are parts where it's hard to tell, like, is this background painted? Did they paint 
physically a texture to then map onto this 3D rendered object? Is that what's happening? Um, it's just incredibly impressive to the point where you almost don't notice how impressive it is because like mm -hmm. all the fur rendering looks incredible. All the reflections look incredible. The one time they show blood in this movie, it looks photorealistic. <laughs> um, yes. they, they put a ton of work into the texturing in this movie to the point where you hardly even notice because it just looks so good. Absolutely. Uh, continuing the fight, though, Jack gets the map until Kitty knocks it out of his hands and, after a little scuffle, sends him hurtling into his uh, Mary Poppins bag. And Brito <laughs> is the one who manages to snag the map and slowly presents it to Puss in Boots. Um, as he does so, Brito gives a little last life lesson about how um, he's only ever had the one life, but spending it with Kitty and Puss in Boots has made it very special, and maybe yeah. one life is enough after all. Yeah, um, I'm glad that Perito finally pointed out the obvious of like, hey, most of us only have one life before we die permanently, bro. <laughs> yeah. You've got cat privilege. <laughs> but that's the thing, like this, this, this is an existential crisis that's not just reserved for formerly functionally immortal beings. Uh, this is a very relatable story, possibly the most relatable story, and that this is the one existential crisis it's kind of expected almost everybody deals with at mm -hmm. some point uh in fact i as i understand it just you know a little behind the scenes stuff um antonio banderas is you know he's been in this gig for a while he's getting older this is the kind of thing he thinks about not just like oh you know death but like can i still do the things that i did before when mm -hmm. i was a legend um so you know again like his vocal performance is incredible but you can also tell like yeah, he's an actor. It's his job to sell the part. So he's doing a very good job. But also it is quite possible that he's channeling purposefully some very deliberate, like some of the actual emotion of like, you know, I'm an action hero mm -hmm. and I am now getting older. Can I still do the things I did before? And what are the things that matter to me now? Um, so it's again, like when I said at the beginning that this is uh, the, the legacy of the Epic of Gilgamesh, I was only <laughs> half joking. This is also literally the plot of the oldest story we have. <laughs> it's a thing people have wondered about and explored through their art for centuries. Mm -hmm. 5,000 years and counting for Gilgamesh. So that's fun. Uh. Uh, uh, before Puss in Boots can really ruminate on this question, though, death arrives. Yes. Um, Wolfman traps him in a big old file, fire eye shape, uh, not quite a circle, and all the others are closed out on the other side through the flames, and Puss in Boots has to choose whether to pick up the sword that Death has thrust at him or to use the map in his hand to wish for more lives and take the easy way out. Once and I love the way Death phrases that, is running away to more lives, mm -hmm. um, because a consistent thing throughout this movie is that Puss in Boots' pattern has been running away. Uh, he doesn't want to think about that, doesn't want to admit it. He's the fearless hero. But the thing that Puss in Boots does is he runs away. He ran away from Santa Coloma. He's been running this whole movie, running mm -hmm. from death four separate times now, or three separate times. This is the fourth time they've encountered each other. Um, and uh, the way Death Raises is like, do you want to run away to more lives or will you stand and fight? And it's like, you know, you know, Puss in Boots the legend doesn't run, but Puss in Boots the cat, to preserve the legend, has been running a lot. So... This is essentially the the inflection point where he can actually make the decision to essentially bring the legend and the cat into alignment to actually be the hero that the legend is about. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And uh, much like it did the last time he encountered death, all of his life flashes before his eyes. Uh, he remembers this time, though, Kitty and Perito, his time with them. Uh, and the as events of he, this life. The events of this life. And as he does, he drops the map, picks up the sword, and declares that he is done running. Yes. Big <laughs> character moment. Uh, also, there's a there's a lot of visual parallels to the first time he fought death. Um, in this case, he has a parallel to the the shot with the the little blood trickle over his forehead because mm-hmm. that was a close in shot of his eyes, just wide open and terrified. And now there's a close up shot of his eyes, huge, brimming with tears, brightly saturated. The colors in this scene are very very intense mm-hmm. as he's remembering these beautiful happy moments. And essentially, the visual distinction is between. A character that does not want to die and a character that desperately wants to live. Those are two distinct emotions. And they did this with a cat! (laughs) I can't believe this movie! Uh, The two fight. It's really cool animation. Uh, At first, it seems that they're somewhat evenly matched. Then death starts to get a lot of more hits in. Uh, And death eventually disarms Puss in Boots. But before he can land his final blow with his sickle scythe things... um, Puss uses Kitty's gatito blade gatito to blade. deflect the hit <laughs> and is gatito. back in the fight. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very acrobatic. There's a lot of shots in this that are direct um, inversions of shots from the first one. There's mm. one where uh, in the first one we get a shot from Puss in Boots' perspective with like death bearing down on him and Puss's eyes are reflected in the blades. This fight we get a shot from the wolf's perspective with his own eyes reflected in the blades as Puss in Boots is over him. Um, it's just, it's, it's, it's very, I mean... This is not complicated cinematography choices. It's like, <laughs> hey, you know that thing we did in the first fight? What if we did the opposite of that for the whole yeah. fight? Cool. But it works. But it's Sometimes so cool the simple looking. choice is the right choice. Exactly, um, yeah. Eventually, Post is able to disarm Death, demanding this time that he be the one to pick up his weapon because yeah. Puss knows that he can't defeat Death, but he will not stop fighting for this life. Uh, and upon hearing this determination, Death growls at him and <laughs> gets furious kind of like storms off he's like, he, like I came here away. For he's, he's like yelling legend him. but he isn't well, the one here it, it's it's great uh because initially he kind of like stomps off and like he, like mutters something angry in spanish that as best i could tell it's like this is what i get for playing with my food uh and then he stops <laughs> back and he's like you're ruining this for me <laughs> um, and what he says is i came here for an arrogant little latin who thought he was immortal <laughs> but I don't see him anymore. And it's just this beautiful little moment of like, I wanted to kill this idiot that was wasting all of his lives, but now you're like a good person actually. So I guess I'm okay with not killing you. You know, I guess I'll let you live out this life because you're not going to waste it clearly. Yeah. And it's just this, this. Meh. I love it when characters make friends with the anthropomorphic <laughs> personification of death. I think it should happen more. I don't know if I would say friends. Death did before his time attempt to come and murk him early. <laughs> well, yeah, but like that was business, and now they're now they're kind of like on the same page, and and it's it's great. And when he's leaving, you know, because uh, he like turns to like, all right, you know, whatever, it's fine. He's like, you know, you know, we will meet again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, pretty, uh, uh, Puss in Boots says, "See, sí, hasta la muerte," which is you know, until death, literally. Uh, but it's also like a little play, play on like hasta luego or, you know, hasta pronto or like, you know, which is basically I'll see you later. Yeah. So, you know, hasta luego, hasta la muerte. It's just a cute little like, yeah, all right, man, you can have me when you earn me. Bye. <laughs> it's just, I love their dynamic now. I hope he shows up again. <laughs> he will always. That's sort of Eventually. the whole thing. 
Yes. <laughs> um, but the he flames from their um, uh, arena on this arena die down, and Puss in Boots, Kitty, and Perito are on the map are left. Puss offers Kitty the wish, uh, but she doesn't need the magic to get her wish anymore. She has someone she can trust. Aww. And, Aww. But unfortunately, their struggle is not over yet, because despite the uh, spook factor and amount of Tumblr posts I saw about uh, Death the Wolf, uh, Jack Horner is still the villain of this movie, and he ate his magic snacks, you know, the ones from Alice in Wonderland, inside mm-hmm, of the bag mm-hmm. and has now grown giant. Um, I will say, the first two weeks after this movie came out, Tumblr would not stop talking about the wolf, which was great. Yeah. Uh, I recently went back into the tag, and it's like 90% people being thirsty for Big Jack Horner. So I officially don't know what these people want anymore. No! <laughs> Why? <laughs> I don't know! Ugh. They're not, like, sexy manifying him either. They're, like, drawing him film accurate and then being like, oh, man, I bet he's got such emotional nuance. And it's like, he doesn't, though! What are you, Jiminy Cricket? <laughs> Uh, I'm not attempting to kink shame. I'm just saying he's built like, I don't know, like the the bastard offspring of Kingpin from from Spider-Verse and like Gru from Despicable Me. Uh, And I just don't get it. All right. I'll say it. I don't see it. (laughs) Uh, He knocks Puss and Kitty out of the way and begins to make for the wish. But Perito distracts him uh, just long enough for team friendship, a.k.a. the... (laughs) cats and now the bears and goldie to uh come in and tear it up and get the map and begin to flee uh it looks like jack is going to be able to use the pieces of the map that he's assembled anyway except for the one fragment that's missing but jiminy cricket making his reappearance into this movie <laughs> riding the phoenix comes which up which is also still okay yeah. which is also still fine uh to burn up the last fragment of the map and jack disappears into the star as it explodes in the sky uh yeah so a couple things about that uh perito uh distracts him by attempting to do the the cute face that the cats did earlier in the movie and he he can't do it for and then he does it and jack corner's like oh it's so cute how you think that would work on me (laughs) uh which is good um but then also as the star is breaking up and and jack falls into it he's like what did i do to deserve this i meant what specifically (laughs) and he does like the terminator thumb thing but it's Mm -hmm. it's the it's the plum thumb thumb, it's it's, it's a thumbs down yeah um uh god Uh, it's a truly spectacular climax. Peak cinema. Best movie. <laughs> yes. There's a part of me that almost wishes that Jack didn't come back for the climax because I feel like it would have been more impactful to have like, either Perito get to use the wish or like the characters decide they all have what they want. They don't need the wish. I felt like yeah, I mean, Death was such happened. a climactic villain that Jack felt very ancillary to me. Yeah, which is why I'm kind of glad that they wrapped him up pretty quickly. Um, yeah. I think... Uh, you know, I I like how they handled it. Uh, I think that Death is definitely the showstopper of the movie. Like he's he's the, he's what makes this movie good because he's what the movie's about. Actually, uh, mm-hmm. essentially, the way that that the conflict with him is resolved is what allows Puss in Boots to truly become a fearless hero. Because you don't become fearless by um, it's not immortality that enables bravery, but it's the acceptance of mortality and the recognition that in spite of it, life is still worth living. Um, so, like, death is the most important part of this movie. It's it's the theme that ties it together. But they did introduce a supervillain, so obviously they had to get rid of him in a very fun way. Uh, also, yeah. they do a little callback to the, the, the thumbnail stab thing, because <laughs> Kitty, Kitty and Puss, and Puss like, team up together. to do yeah. it. Uh, it's good. Um, 
I mean, yeah, at that point, it's just cleanup, you know? Like, okay, the main emotional arc of the movie's done. Puss in Boots has basically won, now they just need to clean up. And I'm, I'm glad that they sort of give it that treatment. You know, Jack Horner's yeah. defeat is very comedic, whereas the resolution with death is extremely, like, nuanced and layered. Yeah, um, I think the thing is that it happened, because it happened after the death fight, because they knock Jack into the bag, and he's pretty much out of the movie until he comes back to get murked. And it's not mm-hmm. that they haven't planted the Alice in Wonderland, uh, eat, eat me, me, drink me, drink me. We've seen those like twice already. Yeah. yeah. So it's not that it feels unearned. It's not, I wouldn't say bad, but I think there was a part of me that's like, oh, this movie's still going. Like we didn't just have our big <laughs> climax. Now Jack is back again and they handle him very quickly. Uh, yeah. I will give them that. And it's, you know, a more comedic bit, but I feel like there's a, a way they could have done that before the death fight. And then the release of tension from, well, we've defeated the bad guy. Oh no. We haven't actually dealt with the main crux of this movie. Uh, yeah, it felt actually, a little out of order to me. I understand, but I actually understand why they chose to do it this way. Because what this means is that we get in a fight scene after Puss in Boots has completed his character arc and is in his fully like realized form and can team up with Kitty correctly. Uh, so this is kind of like... It's kind of like anytime you have a story where the climax is like the character has just acquired a super cool power-up and the rest of this mm-hmm. fight is going to be a joke... But we still want to see it because that way we get to see the character in their fully realized form. So I, I think if like if Puss in Boots essentially defeated, well, he didn't defeat death is the thing. He essentially basically just proved to death like, hey, I'm actually going to like live this life properly. I've got my shit together now. Mm-hmm. Death is like, all right, fine. I guess I'll do my job the way I'm supposed to. Whatevs. Um, that essentially sh- this this fight enables us to see Puss in Boots, the actually fearless hero. Uh, because otherwise we would have just kind of had to take the movie's word for it that he's good now. Um, so I'm glad that we get in just a little bit of like, this This fight is now a cakewalk. He and Kitty are perfectly in sync. Everything's great. He's having a fun time. He's not afraid of death. He's not constantly being terrified in the middle of these fights by the reminder of his impending mortality. He's actually willing to face danger, even though, you know, this is his last life. Mm-hmm. Uh, so narratively speaking, I think that I actually like this scene more now <laughs> that we've unpacked it. Because before I was like, yeah, it, it was funny how he did the Terminator thing. But now it's like, no, this is instrumental to the, the pacing of the character arc in this movie, actually. Um, anyway, yeah. Uh, uh, but they all watch Jack Horner and the star explode in the sky and resulting in a bunch of little shooting stars. And Kitty jokes that they should all make a wish. And Puss says once, uh, one life with her is all that he could ever wish for, really just driving yeah. home the point. The bears all reconcile, have a big old family bear hug, and they're off to hibernate and maybe take over a pie factory. It's in, <laughs> all good things are coming to an end. Um, Puss suggests that they pick a name for Perito, and they throw out some suggestions, but eventually Perito's like, well, everyone always calls me Perito, so why don't we just stick with that? Um, Beautiful. And we get the end credit title box, and then we go to a little scene where the governor is off on vacation, but his boat is missing, stolen by Team Friendship, who now have their own wanted poster as Team Friendship. Uh, Perito, Puss, and Kitty are all sailing away on their boat. Where are they sailing away to? Far, far away from the Shrek franchise, and then we get the end credits. (laughs) Also, there's there's one thing. It's a little detail. Um, But after the wishing star uh, explodes, essentially, after the map is destroyed, um, I don't remember when exactly the shot is. I think it might be in the credits or after them. Uh, but there's a brief shot of the night sky, and the star appears, essentially. A, a, a star appears in a place that formerly did not have a star. Um, so essentially, the wishing star, not having been used up, goes back to being a star. Which I would classify as, uh, oh, oh, 
I, I heard a meow from before. Will yeah. she oblige the microphone? No, she's been trying to knock things off the table, so I'm just holding her for a oh, sec. Oh, okay. <laughs> she's in. She's in the sin bin. Yes. Uh, baby jail. Um, so essentially, this I would classify as a. I, I don't have a snappier term for this, but like the happier ending than you thought of. Uh, which is like so there are stories where it's like this would be the happy ending. Like the happy ending is shaped like oh we get this thing or we win mm-hmm. this thing or whatever. In this case, the proposed happy ending from the beginning is. Somebody gets the wish. You know, Puss in Boots gets the wish. More lives. Great. Again, the difference between what you want versus what you need versus what will make you happy. Um, The idea that at the end of this movie, everybody could get something that was good for them, including the star, didn't occur to me until (laughs) we see the star go back to where it belongs. And it's like, oh, yeah, any other ending of this movie wouldn't have been as happy as this because somebody would have gotten the wish, but the star would have been used up. Right. So it's like everyone gets their wish, including the wishing star, and uh, except for Jack Horner because fuck him. But and you know, you know what I mean. I think I like it. it. It was probably the most little emotionally impactful like period they could put at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, A good detail for second time viewers. Yeah, which is probably why I noticed it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's Puss in Boots: The Last Wish. Um, I, yeah, normally, maybe. you know, final thoughts, kind of like to ask if you have any situations you might recommend our viewers watch this in, Red. I think you enjoy this any movie quite a bit. <laughs> you, everybody should watch this movie right now. Um, <laughs> I think, like, th- there's a few movies I've seen recently where it's like, you gotta be careful when you watch this. Uh, we brought it up earlier, but the Del Toro Pinocchio movie is very rough. Uh, it, it tells a similar story about the acceptance of mortality. Mm-hmm. Except it's much sadder, uh, <laughs> and it kind of pushed me into a bit of a crisis when I watched it. Not a bad crisis, just you know, a crisis. Uh, and this movie is not that. This movie is very, very careful with the viewer's emotions. Uh, it, yes. it guides you through this this story of the fear of death up to the acceptance of mortality and the worth of life worth being worth living, uh, very gently. Uh, you're unlikely to you know have any sort of crises about it because it's all couched oh sorry bumps the mic a little because it's all couched in these very cartoony contexts it's an adorable cat in boots uh with having cool sword fights with a big scary wolf man like you know when you think about it there's a lot of stuff there and i think it helps you internalize some some very important life lessons but at the same time it's like this is a silly movie this is a yeah. it's a good movie but it's fun the action is spectacular the animation is beautiful and it guides you through an emotional arc very skillfully um so everybody should watch it (laughs) because it's good yeah i think like it falls into the category for me of animation where like the target audience is probably children but that does not make it any less skillfully made or poorer of a story told it's dealing with complex issues you know psyche (laughs) more crime I think Ziggy should do more crimes. Uh, I, I think that there's a there's a smaller density of crime than I would like. Think of that. Um, crime reports are down for this quarter, <laughs> and we can't have that. Um. No, but I, you know the story is not any less skillfully told uh, for being a different intended audience than I would say like Del Toro's Pinocchio, which is doing similar things in terms of like themes, but obviously yeah. geared towards a different viewer base, right? Uh, yeah, and, for sure. So I, I really like this movie. I, I mean, I had a good time watching this movie. I don't think it's like my favorite thing I've seen. You really in a like while. this movie? You said you can't take it back now. <laughs> it's recorded. I liked it. You know, it was, yeah, it's a fun watch. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if I will be rewatching it. Not because it's bad in any way, but just like it's not my personal cup of tea uh, in terms of storytelling. 
but yeah. again it's not doing anything wrong i think it's a great movie yeah. if you want to watch it go nuts it's pretty fun it's pretty easy to watch at any time like red was saying yeah. this it's is not, not a movie long. where it's gonna throw you into an existential crisis after watching it you're gonna feel pretty good no. at the end um yeah it's a good it's... movie night movie that if you want to spend more time thinking about it it will mm-hmm. reward you for thinking about it more um which is not always the case for children's media <laughs> no uh, i think no. this does a really good job of balancing rather than being like wink wink nudge nudge joke for adults it's like no, we're going to treat our audience as able to understand the what we're laying down. And so it yeah. rewards thinking about it, but you can also meet it at the level at which it's presenting itself, which is, again, a children's movie, but yes. an extremely well-made there's a, one. <laughs> there's a lot of love put into this movie. You can mm-hmm. tell just from the, the care that's put into the animation, the, the background design, the fight choreography, the way that the character threads are... are laid out and woven together so that everyone gets a satisfying resolution except Jack Horner because fuck him. Um, yes. <laughs> it's 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 carefully crafted and it's one of those s- stories where you can kind of tell like they didn't cut corners, you know. There yeah. was never a point where they were like we're just going to hammer this one out, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um even like a lot of the characters have been redesigned. There was like a joke going around where they were comparing Puss in Boots's current design with how he looked in like the first Trek movie he appears in, and then we're like listing out all the plastic surgeries <laughs> that he must have experienced. Um, but it's just like they did a good job. You know, they redesigned, they reanimated the character models. I figure this must be a thing that most three D animated movies do anyway, because the rendering technology gets so good that it's like you can't reuse the models after a couple mm-hmm. of years. You know, you can render like a hundred times as much fur as you could before you have to redo the whole thing um and they take the opportunity to streamline the designs make them look better kitty soft paws used to suffer from a bad case of female love interest <laughs> animal uh design uh and she doesn't anymore she and puss in boots look like cats wearing clothes um and it's good it's 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 good uh there's just a lot to like about this movie and again like it's you could probably I think the thing I can say that's good about this movie is it is that deep, but it is also for kids and fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, it, it will reward further examination because it is actually deep and covering deep themes. Also, it's a silly movie about a little cat in shoes uh, going on a fun adventure with his friends. Yes. So, you know, whatever. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's there's a lot of love and a lot of thought put into it. And if it is your cup of tea, you can kind of just sit in it yeah. for a while. This Absolutely. metaphor makes sense. But if it's not, you know, you can watch it once and then move on. Yeah. It's relatively harmless in terms of a movie watching experience. But yes, it's, you know, got... it's a fun, it, Oscar nominated. We'll see if it wins. Yeah. Um, this I might guess. be the first episode we've ever done that's not longer than the movie. I was going to say, this might actually... which is my wish. It's an hour 40. Uh, 40 it, Red it's... and Sophia episodes. Uh, I guess should Oops. we bring it home then, Red, if our audience <laughs> wants to hear more from you, where can they find you? Yes, I am most commonly accessible on the YouTube channel, Overly Sarcastic Productions. Uh, we also have a podcast for that. Uh, we affectionately refer to as the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. Uh, so if you want more nasty. of me and also Sophia, that is the place to get it. Um, also, well, there's another podcast uh, that we're both on <laughs> because somebody is a podcast director for a living and keeps putting me in stuff. <laughs> um, you're good, rolling with you're difficulty. <laughs> thanks, thanks. Uh, yeah, uh, rolling with difficulty. The D and D actual play podcast. Uh, I highly recommend checking it out. We are in our third season, but we're just about to wrap it up, so that's exciting. Oof. Like tomorrow, right? <laughs> we are recording the finale tomorrow, as of the time <gasps> this episode uh, is being recorded. But I believe this week, if you're listening to this, the week of release, uh, episode Mm. eight is coming out. 
Right, so you you got a few weeks before the storm, a but we don't. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, hi- highly recommend checking that out. It's always a lot of fun. Um, I'm also vaguely active on Twitter, although less so recently uh, for <laughs> structural reasons. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's the main gist of of my stuff. So, yeah. yeah. Red, thank you so much for coming on this podcast yet again. I had a blast talking about this movie. Uh, it was for having me. a fun and watch. Me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Hopefully what is my, the point my... of this podcast if not to indulge our guests? <laughs> Hopefully my Puss in Boots the Last Wish propaganda will get more people watching it and uh, <laughs> getting in my mentions about how good it is because this movie's really good and I want to talk about it. But everyone I talked to about it was like, oh, yeah, I haven't seen that one yet. And it's just like, no, <laughs> why? Well, you heard it here first, at Red with your Puss in Boots the Last Wish opinions. Uh, but I'll, we'll link all of your, your content and your socials in the show notes below. I highly recommend Sweet. everyone go check that stuff out. Red is... Excellent creator. Uh, And a dear friend. But also, this has been (laughs) an episode of Movie Struck, and we got to wrap it up because if we could get the runtime of a movie for once, that would be insane. (laughs) Yes, incredible. All right, let's get out of here. All right. Catch you guys in the next episode. Adios. Bye, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Movie Struck. We'll be back on March 13th, another thrilling installment, but if you miss us before then, check out the Moviestruck Discord server for a cool fan community of folks to chat with about movies and all things related to this podcast. Uh, It's a really great place, really fun to hang out with. If you've got any questions, comments, or concerns, you can email us at moviestruckpod at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed the show, please rate us and leave a review on your preferred podcast platform. If you really enjoyed the show, consider becoming a patron. Links to all that and more can be found in the show notes below. I'd also like to give a special shout out to all the patrons who joined us in January. Thank you guys for supporting the pod, and I hope you have been enjoying all the bonus content uh, and the episodes as per usual. So thank you to Triple C, Asher Basher, Azrak Shinji, Cradlefer, and The Oranoko. Thanks to you guys, and thanks to all the patrons who have been supporting the podcast throughout the year.